Jesus addresses two issues, the fever of Peter's mother-in-law, and he casts out demons with strong authority, not even allowing them to speak. Jesus is the healer of our woes and the only one who has authority and power over the forces which would otherwise destroy us. Welcome to the Sand Hills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. I am Pastor John Edding. The theme of this sermon on the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany is, He Brings Rescue from Our Foe. This is a sermon from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44, and it is the fourth sermon in a series called Unwrapping the Gift. Thanks be to God. Let's get to the sermon. Our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. Well, we see Jesus perhaps in a little bit more comfortable role in today's gospel reading. It's just a routine day in the life of Jesus of Nazareth. A day sort of like all days. Little teaching. Do some people, some sick people to visit a synagogue to preach in. Then he tried to get away and couldn't. They followed him into a desert. You know what it's like. Somebody's always after you. He seems like the ultimate modern guy. Like too many of us, he's perhaps working too hard. And he apparently works all night. And they come at evening with all the sick and the demon possessed. And then when it is day, he looks for a solitary place. And it doesn't look like he got any sleep. He looks like some medical intern who is pulling two straight shifts at the local hospital's emergency room. You know, today in our sermon series on unwrapping the gift, we are thinking about how Jesus brings rescue from our foe. And we see Jesus in a comfortable role for us when he's healing the sick. I mean, we get sick, and like that needs to be said during a pandemic, right? But it is true. You know, Omicron is raging. Maybe it's peaking in some places. That'd be great. Our bodies are not as durable as we would like. We grow old. Our knees and our shoulders start to hurt. Maybe maybe some of you feel like, you know, when you go to a convenience store and you go and get a hot dog, you see a hot dog on the rollers, Right? Maybe you sleep like the hot dogs in that roller case. (laughs) My eyes don't see as well as they used to. This list could go on. This is brutal law. And Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. He does not labor over this. He just takes her by the hand, and then he rebukes the fever, much as, you know, I might shoo away a cat. Get out of here. And it obeys him, the fever does. And here is, though, where seeing Jesus in a more comfortable role starts breaking down a bit. We face terrors of which we are not aware. Uh, I might, I'm going to blame this on the Enlightenment. <laughs> the Enlightenment has darkened as much as it has illuminated. We, we dismiss the demonic today as superstition, are we right? Or is the villager in some remote 
pre-industrial part of the world, able to see with a clarity which is denied to us. The world diminishes the work of Christ to that of a prophet of social justice or kindness. If we would be truly biblical people, the certainties of our age become less certain. And the work of Christ becomes even greater. Our own dismissal of demons may be in large part due to Jesus's authoritative dismissal of demons in our baptism waters. Jesus does not allow his message to be restricted to Capernaum. He brings light and healing and freedom to us. The demons know who Jesus is. He is the one with authority and power to destroy them, yet they continue to torment. The man was in the synagogue. Even the, even the church, even church is not immune from Satan's forces. But again, Jesus rebukes, dismisses, and the evil spirits obey him. For his is the authority which they must acknowledge. They leave to cower under some rock, awaiting a a later day of his, to them, uh, his dreaded return. Now, we see him perhaps in a little more or less a comfortable role. I guess that's my point so far. We see him perhaps in a little or more comfortable role in this gospel reading That is, until we see him turn to us and administer the kingdom to you and to me as well. We understand that other people need help, but do I? Yes, a little cosmetic work around the edges, perhaps. My eyes don't quite see clearly as I would like, so maybe a little laser surgery would be good here. Um, Yeah, I could shed a few pounds, and I feel the peripheral problems of health and aging, but I'm otherwise okay. I mean, fix a few aches and pains and I am all right. What? I need a, you say I need a complete redo, a reboot of my life, do you? A do-over? I rather like what it was. I'm imagining again a conversation here with Jesus, right? I'm imagining, okay, yeah, I have a few rough spots, but I thought I was doing okay with this. Our Lord hears this sort of blather, and he looks at us, he looks on us with steady and penetrating eyes, and to our shock, with words of power and authority, Jesus says, I command you to come out. He is talking to us. If Jesus brings rescue from our foes, then the first step is realizing that we need rescue. We are now definitely outside our comfort zone. We don't want to admit that we need rescue. But Jesus will have, not, will have none of this. He has not come to put new wine in an old wineskin or to sew a new patch on an old garment. It won't work. He has come to remake your whole life, my whole life. Peter needed this. 
The demoniac needed this, and we are no different. And praise God that he has done it. He did not do what I wanted, but what I needed. He has come to remake me, and in the waters of my baptism, he did just that. He slew the old man and raised up a new one who loves the will of God and brings light and, and delights in his decree. Jesus comes to bring rescue because we are so vulnerable. We're nearing the two-year anniversary of this pandemic. Can you believe it? If anything that has been exposed by the pandemic, it's this ordinary-sounding goal to be safe is best. We take out insurance policies to shield us from accidents and their consequences. We have health insurance to give us access to medical care, which keeps us from mortal peril. We do not like to live in a world in which our lives and our resources are vulnerable. But is that really a lie? We have all the structures we've built around ourselves really put blinders on us. Are these blinders which the pandemic has ripped off us and, 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 and we hate that? Uh, do we look for rescue from medicine, from financial security, and other things of our own creation? Have we displaced Jesus from the, his lordly place? of being our rescuer and deliverer from all affliction, the world, our own sin, and the devil's schemes. Don't get me wrong. It's not that pharmaceuticals like, like Tylenol, um, your thriving rep, or other things of this world are not good things. But if they would tell us that we can be truly safe, pain-free, or secure without Jesus, they would become a form of idolatry. Jesus rescues with power and authority. Three times in this passage, Jesus speaks of, or speaks commands, and he is obeyed. The demon in the synagogue, the, the fever afflicting Peter's mother-in-law, the subsequent group of demons who were exercised later that evening, Jesus demands obedience and he will have it whether it is willingly or unwillingly given, and surely the, the demons obeyed him unwillingly. The final paragraph of this gospel text is important. Jesus, out in the desolate place, is praying, and his disciples find him and urge him to return to Capernaum. You know, they want, us, they want him to set up a sort of a, a health clinic right there. And who could blame them? But Jesus refuses. He looks over the desolate hill on which he stands, and he sees the houses of the next village over, and he is obedient himself, you see. The Father has laid upon him a mission, and, he, and also he must obey. And Paul tells us in Philippians 2, verse 11, or verse 10, that every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will bow in obedience before Jesus. Listen, obey him with confidence today. He knows obedience, and he has obeyed far more fully than you or I shall ever do. He has walked up Golgotha's dark hill, 
brutal hill, learning obedience. Hebrews 5, verse 8, when he laid down his life for all, for you and me. And what's our response? Our response is, is simply to thank and praise, serve and obey him. One of the ways that we do that is by singing hymns like the, the, the hymn last week where we sang sinners whose love can ne'er forget the wormwood and the gall. Go spread your trophies at his feet and crown him Lord of all. Go spread your trophies at his feet and crown him Lord of all. So today we dwell on this, this sturdy and simple truth. Jesus is the healer of our woes. And the only one who has authority and power over the forces which would otherwise destroy us. He brings rescue from our foe. And what does this mean now in our lives? Well, Peter, Peter's mother-in-law gets up to serve and that Jesus himself directs the disciples then outward in the, the final verses. So the news about Jesus is spreading to every region spreading through the witness of our words in our lives as God the Holy Spirit comes to make us the vehicles of his power and he invades Satan's realm using us as his weapons. Now there is more to say on the purposes of Jesus's ministry in our lives more clearly and we'll see this more clearly as we continue to unwrap the gift as the season of epiphany unfolds. But today we want to rest in that sturdy and simple truth, Jesus is the healer of our woes and the only one who has authority and power over the forces which would over otherwise destroy us. We peel back the wrapper on the carpenter of Nazareth and it, and it might, and might be shocked to discover that the very power of the universe is under there. We might expect one someone who is holier, um, stronger, morally superior, etc., but we find God under that wrapper. And that should shock us. Of course, faithful people won't be surprised. You're not surprised. Jesus is not just treating an illness like we might, such as might happen in a hospital. He's not simply a very effective antibiotic. Nature and demons are owning their creator and the one who holds final authority over them in these readings. The demons are admitting Jesus has both the right and the power to destroy them. And for the people of the time, demonic possession was terrifying. And so was a fever. You know, without modern drugs and treatment, it was simply a fight. You either... Either the bug would win or you would win. In the throes of a fever, one never knew which one would prevail. It does not always feel comfortable to come face to face with power and authority. Just ask the bug or the demons in the gospel reading. Have you ever stood face to face with a lion? even from across bars of safety or behind glass. Um, I have. And I know that a lion is powerful. And I would not want to come face to face with one in nature. 
The devil is real. The Bible describes him this way. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. And although he has been defanged and declawed by Jesus, the father of lies would like to see many, as many of God's children in the grave as possible. But the devil is only like a lion. Did you catch that? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's only like a lion. The devil is a faker. He's a counterfeit. Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He comes to take away the sins of the world, but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he is not tame, nor can he be domesticated behind bars in a cage. C.S. Lewis wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Maybe you've read that. And in chapter 8 of this book, the children come face to face with the real king. There has been a fake um, queen. The world was Narnia is plagued by the power and authority of the evil white witch. And in chapter 8, they get their first introduction to Aslan. And the children uh, say, is Aslan a man? They ask if the Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. You've got to read the story if you haven't. They asked Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, Aslan, is Aslan a man? And they said, Aslan a man? Well, certainly not. I, I tell you, he's the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he uh, quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Jesus is Lord, meaning he has a power and authority to rule. He is, he is as powerful as a lion, but he is good. Jesus, with a word, a command, simply dismisses. He rebukes the demons and diseases from the lives of people in this text. Jesus has power and authority today, but power and authority by themselves are not good news. And our, but our epistle reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 helps us out here. Jesus is good. And Jesus has power and authority. But Jesus is also good. He is love incarnate, patient and kind and enduring. He does not fail. He brings rescue from our foe. The one who holds that kind of power is working on our behalf. And he is obedient to the mission which his father has laid upon him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.